0: YOU KNOW, WE CALL THIS a, a FAMILY CELEBRATION. WE HAVE EVERY SUNDAY, THERE'S SOMETHING, SOME THEME. AND THIS IS THE THEME THIS WEEK. WE'RE TALKING ABOUT FAMILIES, We have THINGS FOR THE KIDS. And, AND I REALIZE THAT FAMILIES ARE UNDER PRESSURE. RECENTLY, TYNA AND I TALKED TO SOMEBODY, NOT FROM OUR CHURCH, WHO LIVES IN THE OUTER PERIMETER OF THE GREATER TORONTO AREA, AND SHE MENTIONED JUST IN ONE WEEK, IN ONE OF THE SMALLER HOSPITALS, 27 PEOPLE died from a drug overdose. You think about the pressure on the family. You think about the guilt, the regret, the pain that caused those people to take an, uh, to take that drug and to overdose, to not care. You think about the effects on the family. You know, we live in a time when families are under pressure. Of course, there's the regular pressures from divorce and blended families, but there are other pressures as well. Uh, you, you think of... So many of all the G20 countries, Canada has the most people who were born outside of our nation. People come, you know, with a certain tradition, certain values, and then their kids grow up with different values, different traditions, and it can cause all kinds of clash and conflict and concern. And so families under duress. AND TODAY I'M GOING TO LOOK AT A FAMILY FROM THE BIBLE AND I'LL TELL YOU, YOU'LL BE SURPRISED WHEN I TELL YOU WHICH FAMILY IT IS BECAUSE THIS FAMILY it WAS QUITE DYSFUNCTIONAL. HAVE YOU HEARD OF DYSFUNCTIONAL FAMILIES? IT WAS a family, it's a FAMILY STORY THAT'S PRETTY UGLY. IT'S FILLED WITH GREED AND LUST AND ABUSE AND SEXUAL SIN AND CONFLICT AND BETRAYAL. It, 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 you, YOU WOULD THINK IT'S A STORY OF ONE OF THE Maybe like a Judas or somebody like that who has a bad reputation. Why am I telling the story? Well, first of all, because it speaks to us. You can just read the newspaper, whether it's the Vancouver Sun or the Toronto Star or Calgary Herald, you'll find stories like this. And and this story I'm about to read to you, it's in all its ugliness. There's faith, there's hope, and there's love in that story. There's faith because even at the darkest moment, when everything looks really bad, God is still at work to accomplish his good purpose in that family. <laughs> then, then it's a story of hope. You know, the prophet said that for every person, God has a future and a hope for you. And then it's a story of love, of a love that is so great, God's love. And he says, nothing, not your worst, Not your dumbest decision, not your smartest move. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, so what family, what ancestry.com am I Googling here? It's the family tree, the natural lineage of Jesus Christ. Wow. Let's read this. Matthew chapter 1, I think you have the scripture coming up. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob, you know. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. And Judah, Judah is a key person here, begot Paris and Zerah, twins, by Tamar. Now these two individuals, Judah and Tamar, it's quite a tangled web. See, you would think that in the genealogy of Jesus, you would just have real dignitaries. It would be like saints, real good people. But in fact, the truth is, there are some very shady, I'm not talking about you now, some questionable characters in the genealogy of Jesus. Why would that be? I think it's because God is saying no matter how impossible your situation is, nothing is impossible with God. That God is not, re- okay, if you want to clap, go ahead, but, but I want to say this, that God is not removed. God is not distant. God is a good God and God is involved. Look at Judah. His name means praise you know it's even a spiritual sounding name and he knew a lot about god his great grandpa was abraham the guy who had encountered god and changed history his grandpa was isaac also a great hero of faith i mean one time when there was a famine instead of running away Isaac trusted God and he planted seed and God gave him a, a hundredfold harvest. You know, this was a family with stories that God is great. Jacob, he kind of had like a wrestling match with God. I mean, he was, he had an encounter with God. So this guy comes from a family where the whole ancestry is about that God is powerful and God is good. That's that's good, but but listen here now. You're not going to clap for this next statement. Trouble does not discriminate. I I know you weren't going to clap for that. You you may have, oh, my grandpa was this, my great grandpa was this, and I have priests and pastors in my family. Trouble does not discriminate. It just comes. We are in this earth, and it comes. So what happened? Judah and his brothers, I'll tell you the story they became jealous of their kid brother, Joseph, because their kid brother was dad's favorite. And they were so consumed with jealousy and envy that they plotted what to do. One of them said, let's kill him. And, and, and Judah said, it was Judah who said this, let's not kill him, let's throw him in a pit. And then let's sell him as a slave. Then we kind of wash our hands. That's what they did. They sold their brother. Joseph, and it was Judah who suggested it. This guy in Jesus's family tree, and sold him for for twenty shekels of silver, and uh, then they took a, 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 an animal and they killed it, and they, they they put the blood of the animal on their brother's coat, and then they went to Daddy and said, "Look here, Daddy, we think a wild animal killed little Joseph." You know, Daddy, he's crying, he's crying, he, he his favorite is gone. Can you imagine being Judah, having breakfast at home every morning, and you know that you lied to your father? This is, the, this is kind of the open family secret. Have you heard of family secrets? Everybody knows the reality except for daddy, and he's crying, oh, my son has died. What a cruel death he faced, and they all know he's not dead. We sold him as a slave. You know, I don't think you'd feel too good if you were Judah. Hello? You kind of start feeling guilty. You know, conscience, everybody has a conscience. And so Judah is thinking, I don't want to hang around this place. I want to leave. I want to make my own life. No wonder. Who wouldn't? Who would want to sit at the kitchen table with the one that you deceived? So it says, I'm reading from the Bible. at that time, Judah departed. And when he got to another country, he saw a certain Canaanite woman. Oh, she must have been pretty, don't you think? And he said, I want her, and he married her. Wow. That's how it happened, just like that. Love at first sight. Come on, somebody, have you you experienced that? Here they are. Here is the great, great grandchild of Abraham, and he knows about God and all this, but his conscience, is troubled. I don't want nothing to do with this. So he goes over here and finds a, a, a woman called Shua. Funny name, but that was her name. And she doesn't know nothing about God. It's just like in the Canadian context, you know, that happens. Because our our country is in change. so so families, sometimes somebody comes, and then they they were raised in church, they went to Sunday school, and they went to maybe even Christian school, and they kind of just, I'm going to do my own thing, and then they meet somebody else. Never heard of God, never heard of church, and the two get married, they fall in love, there's like a little bit of an attraction, come on now, and you know what happens next? The babies start coming. Come on, turn to your neighbor and said, you knew that was going to happen. The babies start coming. And, and so here they are, kind of, you know, they're the physical attraction, and, 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 and there's trouble brewing. So they have three sons. i just tell you the story. The first name, his name was Ur. Er. The second one was Onan. And, and then Selah, three boys. And there they are living their life years go by. Then their son gets old enough. He wants to get married. So he marries Tamar. Remember the woman in Jesus' genealogy? He marries Tamar. Are you with me so far? This would make a good Hollywood movie. I'm just giving the suggestion. I won't even charge for it. And so so, so, so Tamar marries Ur. We don't know much about the marriage. All we read is Ur er was wicked. Can you imagine being married to a wicked man? We don't know how he was wicked, but he was, he was wicked. Maybe he beat her. I, I don't know. And then he died. And they had no kids. And that's, you know, in, in today's age, they would be like, wonderful. Oh, I got a new start. I, I, at the time when Tamar lived, that was like a disgrace. She was childless. She was the lowest on the social strata. You know, if you you were a widow and you were childless, like it was like, you were like everybody else's slave. And so she feels it. But then they say, you know, we have some hope for you. You know, in our culture, you can marry Ur's brother and you carry on the family name. So she marries the second guy, Onan. Poor girl, come on. Tamar didn't have an easy life. There's pressure. You say, where do you get all this from? The Bible. It's amazing when you read the Bible, but you find out. You may think it's just stories about these wonderful people who were perfect. No, actually read the Bible, and you find out something different. So she married Onan. He was not a good husband either. Now, if I'm describing your life, please don't raise your hand. I don't want to know right now. But he married the second guy, and he was not a good guy. Come on now. He basically, to put it in modern language, he just wanted sexual gratification for himself. She wanted to have a child because in her culture, not in our culture, but in her culture, having a child brought her a sense of dignity and a place in society. But he didn't want her to have a child, so he wanted just her to gratify him, and he didn't want to give her a child. So it was great pain. What a terrible life. And then something happened. He died too. I heard somebody say hallelujah, but I just, you know, we usually don't say hallelujah. He died. It's all in the Bible. He died too. And then, and then Shua and Judah, remember the, her, her in-laws, they said, well, well, don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, uh, because Selah, we have a third boy here, but he's kind of young. He's kind of too young to, so you just wait a few years and you can marry him. Oh, you think life is tough? You think family's under pressure I, 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 let me hurry this story because it almost goes it's going to get worse. Turn to your neighbor and say if you think this is bad, it's going to get worse and, and so so she doesn't get to marry sailor because she's too young and he's a little older and says we forgot what we said. So she's living this disillusioned life this uh, this life of everybody has lied to me everybody has fooled me. I, I'm, I'm everybody's fool. I'm like an idiot here. They promised me something and I'm getting nothing out of life. That's a, quite a story. And then Shua, her mother-in-law, dies. And guess what happened to great, Abraham's great-great-grandson? He goes a little crazy. And he starts to visit prostitutes it's all in the Bible. Amazing. You thought the Bible was such a sanitized book that just tells, you know, he, he, he went to prostitutes. And Tamar's thinking, well, I'm going to get even with this old jerk. Come on now. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I want So she dresses up like a prostitute. You know, they were covered. And here comes her father-in-law and he wants her. And then he says, I, I don't have money to pay for your services. Oh, she said, no problem. She said, I see there's a ring on your finger and your belt and your staff. I'll take those three as down payment. You can come back and pay me tomorrow. She was a smart girl, Tamar. And so what happens? I'm just telling you the Bible story. This could be, this could be like in the Toronto Sun. This could be a novel, a true, true life story. This could be on the documentary channel. This could be on A&E. And so what happens is is he doesn't come back to pay. And she gets pregnant. I mean, no, you can't hide a pregnancy forever. Come on, come on. Some of you ladies, you know, you can't just hide it. I mean, you can cover it for a while. You know what a hypocrite this guy was, Judah? So she's pregnant with his child. But when he finds out that she's pregnant, he gets all religious. He says, well. She's brought dishonor to the family. We should burn her to death, burn her and the kid. What a religious hypocrite! Don't you hate hypocrisy? Come on, somebody get stirred up. Don't you hate religious hypocrisy? He's getting all puffy and huffy and saying, well, we we should just burn her to death. Get rid of her. She's a shame for the family. Who knows who she's been with? Yeah. Some people in Canada who feel like, oh, this he's talking about God and his grandpa and great grandpa. (laughs) She probably had a few choice words that I will not repeat on a Sunday morning in this illustrious church. She had a few descriptions. He, he, He can take his God and you know what with it. She's mad. But just before they're gonna kill her, she said, I know who the daddy is. Oh, who's the daddy? And she puts out the ring and the belt and the staff and said, whoever owns these articles, he's the daddy. Wouldn't you have liked to see Judah's face as the blood drained from him? And he's like, he's like gasping for breath here. And suddenly, he, it's not like he repents and says, I need, I, I need, to, get, I need to believe in God. No, he just, he just says, I'm not going to touch you anymore. You're more righteous than I am. And, and he kind of says, I, I'm going to lay off. And, and he kind of probably huffs and puffs into a corner somewhere. I know you don't feel too good about Judah right now. How many feel like you want to kick him a little bit? <laughs> I mean, this is all in the Bible then, twins are born, and they are in Jesus' genealogy. And then it gets worse. There's a famine. So so, so th- picture these two people. Judah. I mean, we just, we, when you read, you, you can't help but hate his guts. What a hypocrite. What a phony. What a phony. And, and, and Tamar, you feel like... <laughs> What an unlucky girl. And the strange thing is that both of them have an awesome destiny ahead of them. And that's my message today. Maybe life looks really bad. Maybe you have hit rock bottom. Maybe you are like Danielle. You feel like, why don't take that bottle of pills? They were at rock bottom. But there is a message from God. When you think you have hit rock bottom, or even if you're only halfway there, there is hope with God. There is hope with God. I'm going to tell you, you, maybe you say, oh, you're describing some part of my family. Well, that's why we're having family day. We're saying no matter how it looks, God is bigger. God's love is bigger. God's grace is bigger. There's hope for you. There's hope for your family. There's hope for that person who you thought, well, they're not interested. They don't care about God. There is hope for everyone. And the moment of destiny is about to come. Maybe this morning is a moment of destiny. I pray that it is. Because of the famine, they all go back home to daddy's house, to Jacob's house. You know, years have gone by. I suppose Jacob has a little got over the fact that his son was killed, and they go back. And there's a person about to be introduced in their life again. The one that they sold as a slave, Joseph. And so, because Joseph suddenly, he's become prime minister in the nearby country of Egypt. And he's looking after the relief There is food in Egypt. I don't have time to tell the story, but God was at work, and God was working so that there would be enough food to feed everyone, including the people in Israel, and so they go to Egypt, and they don't realize when they go there, they're meeting their brother because he looks different. He's probably have Egyptian makeup on and Egyptian clothes and Egyptian hairstyle, and years have gone by. They don't even know who they are talking to, but he knows who they are. AND THEY'RE SO NERVOUS BECAUSE HE BEGINS TO ASK, WHAT ABOUT YOUR YOUNGER BROTHER? He SAID, OH, HE DIED, HE DIED, HE DIED. HE'S THE ONE THAT'S THERE TALKING TO THEM. SO YOU KNOW WHAT HAPPENS? THEY HAVE A MOMENT OF SELF-AWARENESS. EVERYBODY SAYS, SELF-AWARENESS. I'M READING FROM THE BIBLE, GENESIS 42. THEY SAY LIKE THIS, THEY'RE TALKING AMONG THEMSELVES. THEY SAY, YOU KNOW, WE'RE TRULY GUILTY ABOUT OUR BROTHER. WE SAW HIS ANGUISH WHEN HE PLEADED WITH US. WE WOULDN'T LISTEN. Ever this distress has come on us. It's like, you know what? Hey, I can't blame everybody else. We made some choices. And now they begin to interpret everything like God is mad at them. You know, this is what people do. God is not mad at you, by the way. No matter how stupid of a decision you have made, God loves you. God is not. But they think that. People think that. AND SO AFTER THEIR FIRST TRIP TO EGYPT, YOU KNOW, THEN JOSEPH, THEY DON'T KNOW IT'S JOSEPH, HE PUTS THE MONEY BACK IN THEIR BAGS, and SO THEY THINK HE'S FRAMING THEM, OR oh, HE'S FRAMING US, HE'S GOING TO GET US, AND SO THEY HAD TO GO BACK A SECOND TIME, AND THEN THEY'RE REALLY IN TROUBLE, I'LL READ IT TO YOU, Here, THEY'RE, they're TALKING AMONG THEMSELVES, THEY'RE SAYING, GENESIS 44, WHAT SHALL WE SAY, WHAT SHALL WE SPEAK, How shall we clear ourselves? God has found out about our iniquity. And here we are, my Lord's slaves. What do you want to say? Oh, they're ready to just grovel and beg. They're ready to do anything because they need food. And they say, God found out. How many know God knew all along? God didn't find out nothing. But see, this is how people are. When they're in trouble, they think, oh, God, God's giving me what I deserve. Oh, you know, and they remember everything they've done wrong. And they have this grotesque view of God. They have this wrong idea of God. Many people in our country have a strange view of God. They think like this. I had it coming. But there is Joseph. Now, Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ. Joseph is a picture of God. I'll prove it to you in a moment. But what happens the third time back, now they are really scared. What are we going to do? It says like this. Here's what happened. Joseph, remember the brother that they had sold as a slave? He could not restrain himself. He says, I can't hide anymore. So he cried out, make everyone get out for me. So Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is daddy still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer FOR THEY WERE AFRAID TO BE IN HIS PRESENCE. SEE, JOSEPH SAYS, YOU KNOW, I'M NOT MAD AT YOU. HE'S WEEPING. HE'S FULL OF COMPASSION. HE SAID, I, I'M HERE TO HELP YOU. AND HE SAYS, IS, is DADDY OKAY? AND THEY COULDN'T SPEAK BECAUSE THEY WERE SO AFRAID. THAT'S HOW PEOPLE FEEL ABOUT GOD. Because I CAN'T GO TO CHURCH. Because, you know, that's just like for holy people or, or hypocrites, I've heard, go there as well. But, but you know, I, I, just, I just can't go there. I, I wouldn't fit in, you know, because God's going to hit me upside the head and he's going to just give me a, a you know. I, people have this corrupt idea of God. You see, the real idea of who God is is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus lifts people. Jesus lifts men and women. You know, I described a situation here about Tamar when life was very tough for women. And I know probably, Danielle, you heard in university that, you know, whatever problems women have, it's all because of God, isn't it? You know? Yeah, you heard that, Danielle. I I could tell you from your story there. But you know something? Can can I give you some other points about women here? Women have a great place. Men, don't get nervous because I'm bragging on the women right now. I can see nervousness among the men just suddenly come here. Uh, Do you know that the oldest story in the Bible is a story of a man called Job? And after he received a miracle from God, he was so enlightened that he broke all the rules and laws of his culture and he said whether you're a boy or a girl, man or woman in my family everybody will inherit equally. That's what God's grace will do to you. Jesus lifted women. I thank God for women. You know, the world's largest church is in Seoul, Korea. 800,000 people and pastor there, he's now retired Jongi Cho. He says the real secret, he said, people think we prayed a lot and we did that, but he said the real secret to our church growth was all the women. The men wouldn't take up the vision, but the women took it. Come on, ladies. So, so Oh, men, don't worry. There's a place for you men as well. But come on, let's give a hand for the women here. Paul says there's neither male nor female in Jesus Christ. And so, so anyhow, I got off track there. Forgive me. So they're thinking, oh, we, oh we're scared. And I said, you see, people can't believe how good God is. They just want to think God is mad at them. They they can't believe it. They couldn't believe how good Joseph was. I said, Joseph is a famous picture of Jesus. Let me give you some similarities. Joseph was uniquely loved by his father. Jesus Christ was loved by his father who said, this is my beloved son. Joseph had a robe of many colors. Remember the Broadway show in New York, that multicolored coat of Joseph? Jesus had a robe of great favor, and as many as touched the hem of his robe, they were healed. Joseph was betrayed for 20 silver coins. Jesus was betrayed for 30 silver coins. Joseph was thrown into the pit. Jesus, it says in the scripture, he went to hell to defeat evil and the devil and to give you eternal life. Oh, come on. (laughs) Joseph suffered innocently. Jesus was betrayed by those who were closest to him. JOSEPH WAS SUPERNATURALLY RESTORED FROM THE PRISON AND FROM THE PIT TO BECOME THE PRIME MINISTER OF EGYPT. JOSEPH BECAME LORD OVER ALL of EGYPT. JESUS IS LORD OF LORDS AND KING OF KINGS. JOSEPH WAS FULL OF COMPASSION. HE WEPT. JESUS IS FULL OF COMPASSION. JOSEPH PROVIDED BREAD. JESUS IS THE BREAD OF LIFE. <laughs> OH, THERE ARE MANY SIMILARITIES. Uh, Joseph became a Savior to his brothers in a time of great trouble. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is your Savior. And then something else. They thought that Joseph was their problem. That's what they thought. They were all convinced. How are we going to to deal with Joseph? Oh, he's out to get us. He's framing us. They thought that Joseph was their problem. This that's what a lot of people think in Canada. They think God is their problem. Everything has been turned upside down. When God is the solution, Whatever you're going through, God says, I am bigger than your problem. And he didn't come and he didn't send Jesus Christ into the world to condemn you, to rub your nose in the dirt that you created for yourself, but he came to save you and to give you new life. And if any person is in Christ, that person is a new creation. So they became aware of self. They became aware of who God is as seen through Joseph. And then there was an awareness, there's a new life. There's something better. I feel like I'm speaking to you today. There's something better for you. There's something better for you. It's not by accident that you're here in this auditorium today. You may think you came for the hamburgers and the hot dogs. You may think you came to win an iPad. You may think you're whatever whatever the prices are, some tickets to the Blue Jays. I don't know what the tickets are for. Maybe some other team. I don't know. But really, you came for new life. And as, as we think of that scoundrel Judah, Everybody says scoundrel. I mean, you feel like kicking him. Hypocrite, you. Poor Tamar. Both of them. I know we would never give Judah another chance. We said Tamar, oh, I'm going to give her a, a, a lift, but not Judah. But thank God you are not God. Yeah, there would be a lot of eliminations if we were God. So God gives new life to both of them. You know, on Jacob's deathbed, he prayed over his son, Judah, this scoundrel, and he said, and I'm reading from Genesis 49 Judah, your brothers shall praise you, your father's children shall honor you, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until the Messiah, Shiloh, comes. He said, You're gonna be in the Messiah's lineage. And so I say, You know what? Judah was the ultimate comeback kid. He came back from absolute hypocrisy, degradation. What a foul individual, but he rose, and he became a winner. There is hope for the family. And then Tamar, you, you could say that this, Judah came back home. Tamar found a new home. She found a new destiny, something beyond her wildest imagination. That she would be included in the lineage of a Messiah she hadn't even heard about when she was a little girl. She would, and see, that's our message. That's the message of Jesus Christ that there's no limitation. Christians don't own Jesus. Muslims don't own Jesus. Hindus don't own Jesus. Nobody owns Jesus. Pentecostals, by the way, in case you wondered, don't own Jesus. No, no. Come on, Andy. Aren't you glad that Jesus is for the whole world? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You see, John the Baptist, the great prophet, said when he saw Jesus, he is the Lamb of God who take away the sins of who? The world. And Paul said that God was in Jesus Christ at the cross reconciling Who? the world to himself, not counting the world's trespasses. That's why you come to this church and you hear Pastor Nathan and me preach, we're not going to try to count all your sins. Our services will be too long if we did that. (laughs) Just kidding, come on now. We're not going to try to count your sins because it says God doesn't count your sins. He put your sins away. And John said that when Jesus died on the cross, it was not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Wow. That means you're included. Maybe you are like Tamar. You say, I don't think I'm included. I wasn't raised this way. I I don't know about anything. You're included. Not by your choice. By God's choice. So what did they do? They just accepted it. The grace and the opportunity. They came to realize Joseph doesn't have a grudge. He has no ax to grind. It's about time people in Canada begin to realize that God has no ax to grind with you. If there's anybody you don't need to be afraid of, it's God. I say sometimes for fear of repetition, if nobody wants to talk to you because you're so bad, 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 bad. Nobody wants to know. Not even your mother wants to have you over for coffee. How many know that would be bad? But even if it got that bad, your heavenly father, his arms are outstretched to you. And he says, come on home. Come on home. You belong. You're not an outsider. You're one of my family. You're welcome. You're welcome. Come, come to Jesus. You, you, you see... You see, Judah and his brothers, they wanted to beat themselves up. They wanted to punish themselves. They thought we got to grovel. We got to beg. We got to just, he, he wants to kill us. But God doesn't want to punish you. The truth is people are good enough at punishing themselves. Maybe you've been punishing yourself, beating yourself up. If I only hadn't, if I made a different choice back then, but I would say stop punishing yourself and accept, accept what? Accept that you are accepted. Accept your acceptance. Stop saying, no, no, I got, no. Accept that you are accepted by God in Christ Jesus. You, you, You see, whatever happened, Whatever they did, I'm not trying to whitewash that. I'm not trying to say that was okay. Whatever happened, happened. But the truth of the good news is that whatever happened, there is a new beginning for you. There is a destiny. There is hope for everyone and for every family. Oh, this.